1: I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. And of course, I am joined by Dan LaMagna. That is at Dan on
0: Twitter. What is up, Dan? JB, excited about this show tonight, man. Uh, talk some uh, coaching team uh, chemistry and dysfunction with you and Mitchell. Uh, this, this is in my wheelhouse. I know the last couple of weeks we've been talking a lot about drafts and whatnot, but man, I'm, I'm stoked for this topic tonight. Dan sees coaches on the <laughs> agenda
1: and his, his ears perk up. He's like, come on. And Mitch, you're pretty excited about this too. So uh, of course I'm joined by, I always almost say Dan LaMagna again, but no, we're joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at Dino on Twitter. And you were really excited. Once the off season hit every mm-hmm. day, you're like, we should get some coach stuff today. We should get some coach stuff today. Yep. Well, finally, we're bringing it on to the weekly show here.
2: We are in the two coaches we're talking about. We had to break it up a little bit because we're going to do Dan Campbell tonight. So why I wore my Detroit Lions hat. Just there's going to be some bias coming from me. Just know that it's going to happen. But I, we can't do Dan Campbell and like Robert Salah. Like you can't do those two together because they're like really close to the same. So we had to go with Dan Campbell. And then um, I'm forgetting his name. Arthur Smith. Because it's, it's on the screen. I have a big screen, so I had to scroll down. Uh, okay. but, but see, Arthur Smith could have had like the most boring press conference I have ever heard in
0: my life. I look forward to talking about that. And I, I get, my observation skills are a little slow tonight because like I was all like, zeroed in on Mitch's hat. I was like, oh yeah, he, he's going to be biased. He's pumped tonight, man. Lions here. And then I looked below and I saw the Dan Campbell graphic. And I thought Dan Campbell was on the show there. It's like his name underneath Mitchell. <laughs> I, was, I was like, right. cl- clever Mitch. Clever. Mm.
1: If he were on the the show tonight, there would be even more energy than the energy I (laughs) typically bring. I I get a little crazy at times, but... Before we really get into tonight's show, I'm going to let everybody in on a secret. A secret that we've been trying to tell you about for Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, and now Valentine's Day. It is the most romantic gift you could get your wife or husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever... It's the best Valentine's Day gift ever, especially this year during the pandemic, and I'm talking about MyFrontPageStory.com. Talk to a professional writer about a loved one for 10 to 15 minutes, and the MyFrontPageStory.com writer will write the most incredible story about them. There is something truly amazing about saying to someone, I want to do something special for you this year, so I had a story written about you. We're not talking about a box of chocolates. We're not talking about some cheap earrings that you're picking up at the dollar store. Myfrontpagestory.com. The story looks like it is on the front page of a newspaper framed and a lifetime keepsake they will put in their house immediately. It is incredibly emotional and your partner is going to love it. Bottom line, your loved one will cry happy tears and you'll win. That's myfrontpagestory.com. Use code THEORY15 for 15% off. Again, that's myfrontpagestory.com. Use code THEORY15 for 15% off. I'm going to tell you right now, they are going to love it. Dan Campbell, the new head coach of the Detroit Lions, and what we have been doing over at patreon.com backslash Dynasty Theory, these have been part of the Breaking News podcast series. And the next coach we talk about, Arthur Smith, hired by the Atlanta Falcons. That was something we released on the podcast feed, but that was just kind of my thoughts. Nobody really cares about my thoughts. Everybody tunes in for Mitch and Dan. So tonight you're going to get to hear their takes on Dan Campbell and Arthur Smith. So for Dan Campbell, former tight end, tight ends coach for five seasons in Miami. Then he became the interim head coach for 12 games, followed up by five seasons in New Orleans as the tight ends coach coach. 60 to 40 pass to run ratio in that 12 game sample that we talked about in 2015. So there really isn't a lot to go off of here with him as a head coach. But what we do have is that 60, 40 split 20% target share to running backs, 16 to tight end 64% to wide receivers. And a lot of people coming in after this hire, they said, Dan Campbell, this is boring. This is awful for the lines. I hate it. During that stretch, Ryan Tannehill, quarterback 15, Lamar Miller, running back one, Jarvis Landry wide receiver seven. Now, I know this was many moons ago and it was a small sample size, but he has shown that he's still, you know, he's going to be capable of uh, of leading this offense. But not only him, but the offensive coordinator, too. And that is soon to be announced. Anthony Lynn before the show. I said, Mitch, has he been hired yet? You said, oh, yeah, yeah, he's been hired. Not yet.
2: Not yet. My bad. My bad.
1: So for Anthony Lynn, just a quick rundown, and then I'm going to turn it over to Dan for his thoughts. We know Anthony Lynn, the offense that we saw for the Chargers, they target the running backs, high volume to slot receivers, and a pretty heavy tight end usage. Over the last four years, quarterback 15 was the worst for a quarterback that he coached, and three seasons as a quarterback one. So I think it's they're going to be forced to throw the ball still. Detroit Lions, that defense hasn't really done anything. But looking at Anthony Lynn, the running backs and the tight ends, they should get a solid uh, you know, target share there. But the wide receivers, that's the concern. But heck, Mitch, you might be playing wide receiver for the Lions next year. So that's my rundown of Dan Campbell, Anthony Lynn. Just some overarching thoughts there. But Dan, you have your coaching hat on tonight. What do you think about Dan Campbell, Anthony Lynn, this Detroit Lions team here in 2021 and beyond?
0: This has been a fun roller coaster of a research project here. You know, I, I feel like I enjoy your homework assignments. As I always say, I say that a lot, JB, I know, but you know, like my studying for next year kind of just goes hand in hand with whatever we're talking about. And I'm watching press conferences of Dan Campbell. I'm watching press conferences of their new GM, Brad Holmes. And I'm trying to convince myself why this could be a good hire. And I keep digging deeper and then I start feeling bad for Mitch and I start worrying about Mitch and I was ready to, you know, do a welfare check on Mitch. And I have so many thoughts, but here's where I'll start here. All right. He, he, the Miami Dolphins head team played very well from him in 2015 he had he he got his feet wet. He got acclimated from 2010 to 15, leading up to that moment, and he sees the moment. The guys played hard for him. When you watch that press conference, man, I, I wanted to run through a wall for him too. I know Mitch did. I like Mitch was blowing up on all our chats and social media, and you know I, I'm sure he was pumped. Um, you know he's he's got football pedigree. Third round pick there. He played with f- four NFL teams: Giants, Dallas, Lions, Saints. He's a Parcells disciple. That I love. Like, that always gets me going because I'm a huge Parcells guy. And, uh, you know, I say, what's Detroit doing here, though? You know, they they hire Brad Holmes at GM, and I give him kudos, diversity hire. We, we've seen some good um, diversity hires in, the, in front offices. He's been around for 17 years with the Rams. Big scouting background, which is which these NFL teams seem to like. Dad played for the Steelers. You know, I like that football pedigree, even if it's in the front office and not for players. But now is where I struggle for fantasy football here, all right? The Lions have not gotten this right in a long time, all right? 27 coaches in 90 seasons. This makes t- coach 28 in 91 seasons, zero Super Bowls. Oh, my Lord, Mitch. Like, I don't even realize these things until I get engrossed in the stats. One playoff win, I believe, in 30 years. One so playoff
2: get- win since 1957, just wow. so
0: you know. Yeah, yeah like that's thing. So that's a new coach every 3.3 seasons. 18 of 27 coaches have not even made the playoffs. I think Juan, Wayne Fonts, there's probably like a statue in your house. I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, but uh, he's your winningest coach at 67 and 67, and uh, it's been a while. But they, they, He got coach of the year one year, right, I think? He did. He yeah. had a good season there. Um, you know, Barry Sanders could do that for you. But they <laughs> – But so I'm like, okay, how do you, how do you, how does the Lions finally get this right? And I try to talk myself into it. Next thing that hits is Matt Stafford trade rumors. They signed Dan Campbell to a six year contract. It's not Mm -hmm. like, you know, the, the NFL shelf life is three years. And I do give the Lions credit. They're a very loyal organization, but they're loyal to a fault that, (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm all I'm going crazy here, Ben. I'm like, this is GM Century. You could coach
2: tell coach that coach. this is like coach time because Dan is going to talk for the next two hours straight. It's going to be awesome.
1: Anybody not watching live, Ben in the chat says Dan is so enjoying this. I'm dying. If you're not watching, Dan's rubbing his hands together. He's starting to foam at the mouth. That's kind of where we're getting here.
0: I'm going to table the excitement bit a bit here in a minute because I'm dying to hear what Mitch has to say. As I know, he dove into this hardcore. But I am concerned for fantasy, especially now. Like we want to get excited about Kenny Galladay. We know Stafford's out of there. Galladay, who knows if he's even going to be back next year? But when you sign him to a six-year contract, you're saying we're going to rebuild because the Lions are the kind of organization that they're probably going to stick with him for six years. They're pretty close to that. Um, they, they've really showed a lot of loyalty to coaches to a degree. You know, they've given them longer shelf lives to some extent. But I don't know where you go with this roster. I don't know how it impacts fantasy. It may be Danny Amendola and Sam Darnold, and I don't know what. So I, I have a lack of confidence in the Detroit Lions right now, and I'm I'm trying to sell myself. GM uh, Brad Holmes seemed a little nervous at his press conference there. Didn't have the conviction I necessarily look for. I did love Dan Campbell's press conference. I'll talk more about that, but I've, I've taken up too much of our time already.
2: All right, Mitch. That was awesome. But, I don't Midge. know how I like keep going on after that. That was really good.
1: I, th- I thought Dan was ready to talk about some, some things that Coach Campbell talked about. We're all getting jacked up over here. While Mitch is taking a sip cool. here really quick, there's so many things that are unknown here in Detroit. When we get to the Atlanta Falcons, there are a lot of pieces that we have a fairly solid idea they're going to be there. But Mitch, like I said, you might be playing wide
2: receiver for the Detroit Lions in 2021. Right. So, just to dive into Dan Campbell before we jump into anything else, I'm I think the reason why everybody was down on the higher is because nobody talked about him before. I mean, if you actually look at his credentials, he is an interim head coach who had put in a horrible position and his team played really well for him. Then he went under one of the best coaches in the league. And for the last five or six years, he worked all the way up to being an assistant head coach. And so when I look at that, I'm like, okay, that's all right. Then we get in the press conference and he does this, like huge motivational speech, right? And there's some people who absolutely hate that stuff. I love it. I (laughs) listen to motivational speeches every day. I mean, it's just what I do. But so, but the one thing I found really interesting during his PES conference is they asked him what he's looking for in offensive coordinator. And the big thing that he hit on is he doesn't want a scheme guy. He doesn't want someone that's going to come in, run the West Coast scheme, and try to have everybody fit that mold. He doesn't want to be like, hey, we're going to line up in this same position. And no matter what, we're going to run on this down each time. We're going to pass on this down each time. He said, like, look, I want to run the ball. And if I can, if we could run it 50 times a game, we will run it 50 times a game. But he also said if the X receiver is uh that much better than the cornerback and they could throw him 10 times, you know, in a half on a fly pattern, that's what they're going to do. And so Seeing that actually from like a fantasy side, I'm like, hold on, my head coach wants to play matchups. I'm like, no one ever really talks about that. Everyone's like, oh, you know, we put our players in the best position. But he's flat out saying, like, hey, if we put Swift in the slot and they have the linebacker on him, then we could throw it to Swift all get all day. And so hearing that, I'm like, you know, maybe he has a little bit more figured out than what everyone gave him credit for before the hire.
1: It sounds good on paper. It's yes, out, he, he, he's talking the talk. He's talking about it. But can he be about it? Can he actually do that? And will he do that? Because all the time you have these coaches, they come in and they say, this is what's going to be done. Mm-hmm. And then six games into the season, people are calling for that coach to be fired. So while it is a six year deal for Coach Campbell, we oftentimes don't get to see those deals come to fruition in terms of the in, the entirety of it. Right. Right. So for me, Dan Campbell, and that's the thing with with the press conference, people are just ripping it apart, but that's the press conference people are talking about. Nobody's talking about these other press conferences. Oh, you know, they come in, they they talk like a coach. They they give you the, the politically correct answer. They give you the answer that's very stale. Here in Pittsburgh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, going off to hockey here, every time Sidney Crosby is interviewed, people want to fall asleep because it's so by the book, right? But Dan Campbell coming in, fired up. I'm not going to make the reference that Rob talked about in the chat here, but he said certain (laughs) things that as a coach, you're like, what did he just say? This guy's a lunatic, but if he can do the things that Mitch just talked about and they actually take place on the field and we see them play the matchups and, and do things that as fantasy managers, we love, People are going to be whistling a different tune. But again, Dan, you're excited. You were rubbing your hands together while Mitch was talking.
0: Yeah, let's go with Mitch's half glass full approach. I took some some notes down from that press conference that I did like. You know, that I'm saying, hey, not coach speak, genuine person up there talking. Passion. He asked the, his agent to put him in front of the Lions ownership because he played there. Like he wanted to be there. It wasn't just interviewing for any job whatsoever and he was a hot prospect a few years ago and he kind of quieted down for a little bit and then here it resurfaces i mentioned the parcells influence he knows how to get the best out of a player and what we saw in miami with that bad you know hand he was dealt he was able to do that he mentioned owning owing sean payton who believed in him all right he says not sean payton referred to him as not an up and down guy Uh, He doesn't know what to do with those kind of players, those kind of guys. He comes to work every day, and you know what you're going to get. So you're going to get a passionate, dedicated, loyal, hardworking guy, and and that's important. He talked about being connected to Brad Holmes, the GM. We see a lot of times front office and coaching aren't on the same page. He says they won't know hires without each other's approval. They share a vision. And then lastly, he talked about Chris Spielman's intensity. And if you know Chris Spielman from his playing days, the guy's a nut, man. Like, he is passionate. But what I thought was nice about that is he says – He asked me what I need. It wasn't Chris Spielman shoving an agenda and just saying, hey, I want this crazy coach. He's like, what do you need to win? Detroit really wants to win bad. And um, Coach Dan Campbell says, I don't want to let anybody down. So I think you're going to get a hardworking guy there, Mitch, and with with your Lions. And for fantasy owners, I think there is a vision. There is a plan. It's just you got a coach with no head coaching experience, a GM with no GM experience, and the Lions that don't have the track record. But you got DeAndre Swift. You got a building block. Maybe Mitch, you can tell Dan's excited. Cause you keep
1: hearing yeah. the, yeah. The, the pound, bam, bam. It's like in the office when Dwight's pounding on the podium, <laughs> anybody watches the office, but Dan, Dan, you're, you're Jack tonight. And I love it. I, I love the enthusiasm, but one thing that I want to talk about before we move on, it is the impact that this coaching staff is going to have on the players. And I, I started this off by talking about the splits that we saw, but, during that 12 game stretch five years ago, which is going to be extremely relevant sarcasm from Dan Campbell. But I think whenever Anthony Lynn is hired, that is going to be the more relevant information that we have. And Mitch, who who are we going to talk about here? Hawkinson and Swift, because we don't know if anybody else is coming back.
2: That's it. We have him and Cephas. Cephas is like the only wide receiver. You could be like, maybe he's their wide receiver too. But at this point, I mean, he's every team's wide receiver, two or three. And so there's 60 of them you could go pick up in a draft. So it's not really a big reason to talk about him right now because anyone that has him is going to kind of hold on to him. So it's really just talking about our values on Swift and Hawkinson. And if Cephas is
1: your wide receiver two in fantasy, you probably have an early draft pick here in 2021. I'm going to make that assumption. But okay, Mitch, Hawkinson, a lot of people are out there in the Twitterverse, and I—I'm not knocking, you know—a take here, but it is coming—it is coming to light. I—I I might not, but Mitch will coming to light that a lot of people have TJ Hawkinson now on their
2: sell list. But I mean, I would love to know why, because as we said, the Lions don't have a pass catcher on their team right now, right? More than likely, what I could see was happen. They trade Stafford for a first. They pick up a wide receiver lower down. So maybe their number one is going to be a rookie wide receiver. Why would you trade Hawkinson? Hawkinson is going to be the best play-making you know, catcher on that team. And so moving forward, I think Hawkinson is going to be an absolute smash. I mean, his ceiling this year isn't 100 targets. His ceiling could be 120, 125 targets, depending on who they put around him.
1: I always have to figure out where the camera is because I put my finger up over here and I'm like, "Shoot, nobody can see me." So I bring it back over here. One thing I want to say there: does this situation kind of, and this this just popped my mind, mm-hmm. the brilliance that comes to light here as you guys are talking, it just really sparks something in me. But doesn't it feel a little bit like the Las Vegas Raiders last year? You have oh, I, Hunter good, yeah. coming in. You have the rookies. Uh, rugs and Edwards coming in for the very first time. You have a second year running back in Josh Jacobs, and the situation's a little bit different because they had Carr, Derek Carr, not David, Derek Carr. We just say Carr, we don't say first names on here. (laughs) You do it, it's always David anyway, but that's the only difference here. But I think that's kind of a good comparison, and then. Dan Campbell he kind of comes off as that old school type coach he's not going to come in with the razzle dazzle these young exciting coaches are but that kind of goes to John Gruden as well old school blue collar guy and I I just kind of think there are some comparisons and similarities that we can draw between these two teams with the personnel
0: that they have coming into the season Yeah, I'm with I'm with Mitch. I'm with UJB. I I think Hawkinson stocks up there. He's got that Raiders type situation for volume. He's a take your kneecaps off kind of tight end there that that he could build around. I'm really curious where they land at quarterback. That's going to tell us so much. They could they could figure out wide receiver. You know whether whatever happens with Galladay, Marvin Jones, the free agent market, the draft. Um, You know we know Swift should get more volume. I'm sure Mitch, you're going to hit on that. But I mean the target they have a couple guys. They got to fix the line. They, they, they got to fix the line. You know, I, I think they'll, they'll do a better job with this office. As Mitch is saying, they're going to fit the players, not a scheme. What, what you went through with Patricia has been like, he's back where sure. he belongs in New England in a role. Like, like I'm, I'm sure there's strengths to the guy. It's just some guys aren't head coaching material, and he mm-hmm. was not. So uh, I'm up on uh, Hawkinson there.
1: Mitch, you know who might help fix that line a little bit? Trey Lance.
2: Yes, yes, he would. Justin it, Fields. Uh, just about everybody in the NFL right now has Justin Fields going to the Lions because they have Zach Wilson going to the Jets and then Lance going to the Falcons. I mean, it's just kind of the in thing right now.
1: But but a quarterback that is able to move. Yep. And Dan, you're rubbing off on me because even me, I, I w- watched some film last week on Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. And this came from a big debate. I don't even remember if that was on the Sunday brunch for the Patreon or our normal weekly show but you know, we, we argue about something here. So, sorry. We have a civilized conversation, a healthy back and forth. So I'm sitting there. It's like 2 AM. I wake up. I'm like, I, I got to look at something real quick. Cause I think I have, a, I have something that counters one of Dan's points that he randomly mentioned seven and a half hours ago. So I got to get something out there, but I, I even you got to think, Dan, one of those quarterbacks that are not that Zach Wilson isn't mobile. He can move a little bit, just like, you know, Mitch even talked about that, but, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, they can help fix and uh, you know, minimize the disastrous disastrous offensive line. Can't even talk. I'm getting so excited over here that something like a Deshaun Watson or Kyler Murray might do for their teams.
0: Yeah, you know, and we have fun with each other with the whole Lance Fields debate, and, and I think I just enjoy razzing you as much, and I'll talk some gibberish on there sometimes. You know, push push those JB buttons, but to me, like where, wherever they go, and even that Trey Lance guy that Mitchell's talking about, they need to go to a good situation. You got to build around them. So, Hey, this is Brad Holmes first chance in collaboration with Dan Campbell to say, what are we looking for? And if Anthony Lynn's our guy, and that's probably the part I'm, I'm a little stuck with uh, Mitch and JB is Anthony Lynn. I think you're trying to build this the right way and bring all the right people in. Like my take on Anthony Lynn is great human being, like just, (laughs) <laughs> love him as a human being. Uh, like I, I'd love to meet the guy and go out to dinner with him and talk some shop. But we saw what he did as a head coach in that organization, and it just never got over the edge. Like it just something's not firing there. He, he almost seemed. To, you watch Hard Knocks. He's a little lax for me almost to be a head coach. The guy that's got to be the the chief fixer upper officer of, of the organization. I'd be afraid that that's going to be my OC and is going to fix this ship and get it right. So I'm a little bit concerned with Anthony Lynn. As a potential hire, but quarterback position, it's where they go. I would worry about a Sam Darnold going here because there's a guy whose, you know, confidence might be busted a little bit with the Jets, and you take him into the Lions, it's going to take a little while. Like, like I, I'm worried about you're going from a fragile situation to you're going to take some bumps probably year one in Detroit, where a rookie's going to be resilient. He's he's going to be able to take some knocks, get back up, and have faith in coach. You know, building the ta- the talent around him in a couple years because again, six year contract, that's not a win now deal. So with the players, the re- like we said,
1: there's not much to discuss. DeAndre Swift, we don't have to talk about how much we love DeAndre Swift here.
2: Oh, TJ, just real quick, because everyone's going to bring it up on each podcast, so we might as well say it too. Deuce Staley is now the running back's coach. Deuce Staley was the one who kept bringing up, give Miles Sanders the ball as much as humanly possible. So I think DeAndre Swift is going to be in the same boat, and hopefully the coaching staff, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't I think DeAndre Swift is going to move up probably another tier for me. I already have him really high, but right now I think it's him, Jonathan Taylor above J.K. Dobbins. And I have Dobbins in that tier right now, but I think I have to move them both above him. See, I'm ahead of the curve, I guess. And that's that's why they call me uh,
1: John the trendsetter Bauer. Nobody's ever called me that, but I'm going to pretend like they do. But I have (laughs) Jonathan Taylor and Swift in a tier by themselves below top four. And I still have Dalvin, Camara, CMC, and who am I missing? Holy Chubb. No, not Chubb.
2: Somebody say something while I look this up. How am I blanking?
0: Well, you're looking it? that up, I'll add.
2: Probably give me James yeah. Robinson because I know how big of a James Robinson fan you are, and you probably do have him in the top four. It Which is not got James, James Robinson,
0: Robinson. Ingrained, ingrained in my head as well. Ingrained as much as truly's in Wegman's store Saquon. when I'm shopping and I think of JB. Hey,
1: Saquon, how do I forget Saquon? Holy yeah, you can't forget cow. Saquon. Oh my hey, God. Ba- Thank
0: you. Thank you. Saquon, but a note on Deuce Staley, too. Not only is he a running back coach, he's the assistant head coach. So they mm-hmm. might actually listen to him. I thought it was interesting that he wanted out of his contract in Philly. And
2: yeah, he's you know, like, he's gonna,
0: I'm done. <laughs> he's gonna have some say there in Detroit.
2: All right. Real quick, real quick. Before we hey, on many, Atlanta. How many times has Mitch said real quick? Really. So I just he gets the said, extra
0: real quick But tonight. this isn't
2: actually about that. This is about the Eagles and the Texans. When coaches start just jumping ship as soon as they can, yes. like I'm so down on the Eagles and the Texans okay. can't find a coach now. So I'm just off those
1: two. <laughs> here's my only my thing with that, and I don't want to get too sidetracked because I was thinking this as well when you brought up Deuce Staley, as I'm struggling to remember Saquon Barkley's name, holy cow, I'm still upset about that, but for Deuce Staley, do you think it was just more of a matter of, hey, I wanted to be the head coach here, I thought I might might have deserved to be the head coach, and you bring in
2: this other guy, could that have been it, or do you think- I'm sure that wasn't, I would be the same way, I'm like, wait, you're going to go get the quarterback coach over there and not hire me, I'm out.
0: And uh, all of a sudden, Mitch, that coach is so that you, you're not quite uh, involved like management told you you were going to be, look out. Yep.
1: Yeah, so I think it's a combination. Maybe hey, oh man, this team's in hell basically, and I didn't get the head coaching position. Mitch, I'm not as petty as you. I would I would welcome him with open arms. Oh,
2: I'm sure you would. Yep,
1: I'd be on the first flight out. All right, so I, I thought this was like it was going to be a shorter episode. And I said, oh, Dan Campbell, we'll talk about the Lions 15 minutes. But you can't restrict and limit Dan when he wants to talk about coaches. It, he That's can't right. do it. So now we're moving on to Arthur Smith. And this was the coach when we put out the Breaking News podcast. I shared my thoughts. And for Arthur Smith, he's still going to be calling the plays. So I don't even know if he hired an OC yet, but it's going to be the same way that Sean McVay has an OC, that these head coaches that call the plays. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, he's an offensive coordinator for Andy Reid, Andy Reid's still calling the plays, so for Arthur Smith, let me do my little rundown, I'll turn it over to Dan, coming over from Tennessee the last two years, 50% in 2019, 48% pass rate in 2020, so that's towards the lower end, that's, that's not great for a, a team where we're looking at the offensive weapons in the passing game and thinking, okay, they're going to flourish 14% and 12% in the last two years, the target share to running backs. This is something I like the 29% and 24% target share to tight ends. I mentioned that I thought that benefited hated Hurst, obviously, mm-hmm. and I'll get your thoughts here as well. And then a lower overall target share to the wide receivers. But a lot of that, the target share to the wide receivers funneled through the top two options, which were AJ Brown and Corey Davis. So that obviously I think that would be Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley with Russell gauge and the other random guys kind of taking a little bit of a dip. So how did that compare to what we saw in Atlanta last, last, I only went back three years for Dan Quinn, but there it's a pretty solid trend. 64%, 66%, 65% pass rate. That is slightly different than what Arthur Smith is going to be bringing over, but we'll get to that in a minute. 14, 16, 15% running back target share. So, uh, fairly similar to what we saw from Arthur Smith in Tennessee, but then an overall target share of the tight ends between 15 and 18% under Dan Quinn. So that is something that I think is going to benefit Hayden Hurst, and that's probably the big thing. And then, uh, side note, asterisk, offensive coordinator Dave Ragone, quarterback coach in Chicago for four years, passing game coordinator in 2020. Wasn't aware they had a passing game coordinator with the quarterbacks there, but Dave Ragone, By oh, So I I he was hired as the offensive coordinator. I answer my own question. So, Dan, that's kind of the cliff note version of what we saw in terms of usage from Arthur Smith and then Atlanta. What are your thoughts here?
0: This is a fun one here. The, Dave are going, like, one thing, he is the offensive coordinator, but he's not calling the plays. You know the Arthur Smith is calling the play, so I think. I, said, is, that,
1: I said it three times. All
0: part of that. Well, that it was. It was something that bothered me when it, when I was looking at the show notes, and I just like thought, Oh man, I have flashbacks of like Mitchell Trubitsky and Nick Foles, so I, I get scarred. I'm like, uh, that was like the half, half glass empty thing. I was a little worried, but anyway. So listen to this one. This one is like you know you know how we take we'll take our kids on a road trip, and my ten year old, you know, we'll t- we'll, we'll say and this is pre COVID, of course. You know, we have something really excited that we're playing for him. And then he hears it and he's like, oh, that's not what he wanted. <laughs> but then you go there and he just has a great time. That was the research on the Atlantic Falcons. Like if you watch that press conference, it was so darn boring. And I'm thinking like he has no head coaching experience and similar to previous hires of Jim Mora, Mike Smith and Dan Quinn, which, you know, didn't quite, you know, had a mixed results there. He's a smart OC, but I'm like, you know, did he just work under Vrabel and the the players, you know, played hard for Vrabel as he has no only a two time offensive coordinator. But then I dug and I dug deeper and I'm starting to get really excited about the Atlanta Falcons organization here and thinking they've got a plan that's making sense. They've got some impressive people here. Okay, so as boring as his press conference was, all right, just like my son wasn't excited to go on that trip. He goes in his first hire is Dean as defensive coordinator. That dude's legit, man. Like he is going to fix their defensive issues there. He was legit with the Ravens. He retired, came back with the Titans, was legit there, retired. And then now they talk him out of retirement again. So hopefully he stays around for a little bit, but he is, he is a solid defensive coordinator. So hopefully he could fix some things there to stabilize it. But on the offensive side, like this coach was in demand. Like everybody wanted him. He was on everybody's interview schedule. He's, progressive growth in the national football league you know maybe the administrators talking here right now but you look for like progressive growth throughout your career he's done that owner arthur blank discusses everyone working collaboratively and then I, I listened to the press conference of a gm terry fontenet man that guy is impressive he is a sharp mm-hmm. dude 18 years with the saints director of pro scouting assistant gm at age 40 and between listen to the GM talk and listen to how kind of smart Arthur Smith is, and uh, Arthur Smith dad, interesting fact here was uh, is the FedEx founder and CEO. So there's some smart genes in that family, man. Um, they just got a plan, and I think it's going to work. You know, uh, Coach Smith he played offensive line in high school and then in college, and then was a GA at North Carolina. So you take that path, man, as an offensive line coach to a GA, and you work your way up the NFL. This guy has taken the prototype. Path that you want as an owner. So you've got the owner, you've got the GM, and he talks about building this offense just like he did to t- Tennessee to the strengths of the players. And man, he brought Corey Davis to life, which none of us thought was going to happen. AJ Brown's blossomed. It helps to have King Henry. He blossomed Tannehill. We had doubts there. Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are going to eat, man. I really believe so. And whether it's with Matty Ryan this year or if they groom another quarterback, how they go about it, I'm not sure but I think he will tailor it to those two guys and they're going to be legit receivers again. When we talked about the lines,
1: obviously Matthew Stafford is going to be packing his bags. He's out of town. Matt Ryan, the big thing with him is the contract. It is a much mm-hmm. different situation for Matthew Stafford. We talked about this previously, but his contract in 2021, the cap hit would be like the 17th most of all starting quarterbacks. Um, You know, so it's much more, it's easier to to digest and take on. Whereas Matt Ryan, it's going to be a ton of dead cap and it's going to be a lot of money for a team to take on. So I don't really know how that's going to play out. Do they bring a quarterback in via the draft? Let him sit for a year, let Matt Ryan play in 2021 and then move on whenever the dead cap is a little bit more tolerable there. But Mitch, what are your thoughts? Because there's a few more players to discuss here you know if you want to hit on Arthur Smith at all but then get into Matt Ryan if he stays Ridley Julio Hurst the running back situation wherever you want to go
2: yeah i mean as far as Arthur Smith i think he's just the prototypical offensive coordinator that became a head coach you listen to that press conference and it's not a whole lot talking about the defense it's like hey this is what we're doing on the offense this is how it's going to be we're going to scheme around the players and that's how it's going to go which I mean, you listen to what he says, and by the time you're at the end of it, you're like, all right, I can see this team actually doing well. So you look at the skill pieces. I think, John, you hit it right on the Patreon when you released that video. Um, Hayden Hurst, he's going to be a little bit of a buy for me, which always sucks because we talk about these tight ends who are like tight end nine, tight end 10. We're like, hey, I'm going to get a lot of them, and every single time they don't end up being very good. But looking at this offense, with play action, I mean, Dad knows this. Play action and tight ends just work so well. Once that linebacker makes a false step, the tight ends behind them, and it's an easy play each time. Um, We wish we would have seen it more with Jonu, but they actually just used all the tight ends in Tennessee instead of just one. Can I just throw out my
1: play action spiel? My play action spiel. So last year, Ryan Tannehill, 36% of his dropbacks were with play action. That was the highest in the league. Matt Ryan ranked 17th. 11 of 24 quarterbacks with at least 100 play-action dropbacks in 2020 saw a decrease in completion percentage. So everybody, oh, play-action opens things up. It it benefits the quarterback. It makes it easier. Well, it's about 50% there that actually saw a decrease in completion percentage. Matt Ryan saw one of the biggest bumps when there was non-play-action compared to play-action. If Matt Ryan is the quarterback here in 2021 and Arthur Smith – really institutes this play-action philosophy, I love it for Matt Ryan. All right, Mitch, back to you. Or Dan, I don't care.
2: Dan, actually, I have a question for you real quick. Yeah. And then you can go. So is the reason why Matt Ryan is really good on play-action and some other quarterbacks aren't? It's because he's been in the league for long enough. He could go down, fake the handoff, take his eyes you know, off what the linebackers and safeties are doing get back up a second later and still know where he's going to where other quarterbacks aren't good at like taking their eyes off the linebacker, getting up and throwing it. Then all of a sudden they throw it in the dirt. Josh Allen is actually worse with play action, which would make a lot of sense.
0: Right. (laughs) And I love Josh Allen. Yeah, Mitch, I mean, you're onto it there. I mean, Matt Ryan's a legit quarterback. Uh, I, I love Matt Ryan. He'd be able to play for my team any day. The issue is their offensive line. When things don't work, it's just breakdowns there. I think the mistake the Atlanta Falcons have made and, and I think you have an owner in Arthur Blank that wants to win. He's probably one of the better owners in the NFL. I mean, look, they've built a stadium as, as beautiful as Dallas. You know, they're, they're doing everything they can to win. Where Atlanta's made the mistake is evaluating the overall talent of their roster. They thought they were better than they were. You look at all these first-round pick O-linemen that aren't first-round pick caliber. You bring in Gurley. He's, he's coming in on a bummed wheel. And they, and they tried to, they, they really try to force winning now. And, and I get it. Matty Ryan's getting up there in age. You're, you're trying to get back to it. Um, they've had mixed results since 2008, 0 and 2 in Super Bowls. Again, they're lucky to be in Super Bowls. They've had talent, but they just they're just not there. But I think when you bring in Terry Fontenot and you bring in Arthur Smith, you're going to have a guy who's had success finding talent there in New Orleans with a head coach that's going to know how to utilize it. And, and if they do decide to go in the direction of Matty Ryan for a couple more years, I think he could have a couple of very productive seasons with a better talent, more talented roster. Um, And you notice in that press conference, they said, Hey, we're not going to make no snap judgments, thorough evaluation on all the players. And they meant that again, that's where Atlanta has went wrong in the past. They've made snap judgments, throwing money here and there for guys that haven't panned out. And he he didn't even answer on Matty Ryan or Julio. Mm -hmm. So we're going to evaluate this entire roster. No snap judgments. I believe that My, my biggest
1: issue with the Atlanta Falcons, and this is a very serious take, which you know, it's not. They they open up Chick-fil-A's in the stadium when most of the games are on Sundays. It is closed. I understand you have other things, you have concerts, you have all that fun stuff. But Chick-fil-A, you gotta make an exception. You gotta business has you gotta be open on Sundays in Atlanta. Come on,
2: come on. All right, so, anyways, um Calvin Ridley, I think he is an absolute smash. I think if anything, this actually helps him out a little bit because of how well Arthur Smith used both wide receivers last year in Tennessee. So my question is Julio. I think Julio is going to have another really good year, but he's 31, going to be 32. He's had another injury riddled year after being somewhat healthy in 2019. What do you do in Dynasty with him? Right now, you could probably get a mid to late second round pick for him. But at this point, It might be with Matt Ryan just this year and then with what might as well be a rookie next year. So I don't even know. Do you even trade him, though? That's the problem because I think, because I hate to say, well, if you're a contender, you keep him. If you're not, then you don't. What if you're the mid-pack team? What do you do? I was going to say, can I
1: give my cop-out answer, my blanket statement, a player like Julio Jones, don't sell him now. Move him when the season starts. Two weeks in, he pops off for two games. Move him to contender. That's the blanket blanket statement, right? But for Julio Jones, I if I could get a mid second, which might be tough. He he he's.
0: He, he, no, John, he you answer the question. I want you to rewind this episode. I want you to cut out that clip and say. You wait till the season. He has a couple good games, but he's going to have more than a couple good games. He is going to be motivated for this new coach. You're going you to tell me that that team was not just burnt out of Dan Quinn. They were not just exhausted of that Groundhog's Day, the talent grinding, competing every week. They get in a hole. They'd rally back. They'd find a way to blow leads. They're exhausted. They're going to be motivated for this GM and owner. I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be a new regimen. I would hang on to Julio. He could win you a league next year. And wait till you could get a first round pick from him. you. Will at some point be able to get a first round pick for Julio? I Maybe mean, not an early one, but you will be able to get a first round, and then that's when you get a Devonta Smith or whoever next year's top receiver is, and you, you get someone young. But I, I want to get a second round for him, and then you're going to be crying when he's blowing up every weekend.
1: You know what I would like to do, and I think this is feasible. Somebody in your league will pay a 2023 first for him. I think that's I think that's feasible. Whenever trading. Uh, Not opens back up, but when the MFL and everything rolls over and those picks are accessible, I think that is realistic. Now, Dan, would you be okay with that? I know it's going to be two years out, but from what we have seen and, and we know as of today, January 26th, that 2023 class looks to be pretty solid.
0: Unless if my roster stinks, yes, but otherwise I can't give up two years of Julio in this new exciting offense and, and wait that long. I, I just can't, you know, if there was maybe another good player in the deal, but 2022, we're talking, I can't wait two years. I just don't know if anybody's
1: going to be willing to give that up. So most likely I'm going to go back to my blanket statement and I'm going to hold him throughout the offseason. season. I, I, that's really all you can do. We're seeing where he's going in current startups. And after he's taken everybody in the chat, Oh, I can't believe Julio lasts that long. Well, 11 other people let him slip to that point. Mitch, I want to ask you a question. A big concern, and in our Patreon chat, uh, Scott Connor from Dynasty Mm -hmm. and Show brought this up, and he and I had a great back and forth. And a lot of people, the concern's going to be, well, look at how much they ran the ball in Tennessee under Arthur Smith. One, is he going to bring that philosophy with him? Two, are they going to be able to instill that philosophy?
2: In my opinion, every head coach outside of Andy Reid wants to run the ball 70 times a game. They just can't. The reason why they did it in Tennessee is because they have Derrick Henry. I guarantee you if they had the backup in there, they weren't going to run that much. You know, it just wasn't going to happen. So unless Atlanta Falcons go out and draft Najee Harris, I think he's kind of the only back that's attainable that can actually be given that much workload. And so, no, I'm not worried about it. I mean, it's definitely going to be less than the 66% that he was passing before. But if he's has a little bit more, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He doesn't have the ceiling. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm sorry. I, I was going somewhere else with it.
2: You're good. You're good. But I mean, he might not have the ceiling that he did, but maybe he has, you know, gets a little bit higher. I can't think of the word that I'm thinking of, John. Efficiency? Efficiency. That's it. Thanks, man. See yeah, when, once good. you get into one hundred and
1: three episodes, I don't. We could just look at each other. And, I oh, like there, it. There, there it is. I was thinking yeah. balance, but efficiency. But and yeah, got-
2: I could see his efficiency going up, especially based off the play action percentages that you brought up before. Play
1: action, yes. All right, Dan. Anything else here? I kind I threw out my thoughts. Matt Ryan, if he's still there, I like it. If the play action is is you know brought over with with arthur smith top two options julio jones not moving him for a second ride him into the ground calvin ridley i think a lot of the passing work is going to be funneled through those, those two options through the wide receiver core but then hayden hurst i think he is going to have a bounce back season compared to the expectations that were set for him from the fantasy community coming into
0: 2020 anything else dan Other than building that old line, I would just be really curious to see what direction they go in at running back. You know, it's do they take the draft route, as Mitch is saying, you know, do they value trying to find something in the Henry mold? Or, you know, they just say, hey, we'll figure out running back. It's, you you know, you can get a running back anywhere. We're not going to invest that heavily in it. We were fortunate enough to have Derek Henry in Tennessee. So I am very curious because if they do get a big name running back, we're all going to be talking and comparing them to the Titans. Because they've got the two stud receivers already. they got a solid tight end. It's just the running back and the O-line that we got to figure out.
1: Yeah, and it it might present some interesting opportunities to acquire a a Matt Ryan or somebody in the passing game that people are staying away from because they see what Tennessee did numbers-wise and split-wise and think, well, they're going to try to do that. And they very well could. I'm not saying it's not a possibility, but if your defense... And it was see, but Atlanta's defense was garbage too. So, but again, it goes back to the Derrick Henry factor. Mm -hmm. So, all right, guys, I think we covered uh, Arthur Smith, Dan Campbell, the Lions, the Falcons. We are going to kind of work through the other teams. You know, it's been refreshing. None of the head coach hires have been retreads. None of them, none of them were a full-time head coach before. If you go through them and now we're waiting on the Houston Texans who I don't even know what they're going to do. Oh my goodness. Not even that's going to be a, a fun whole one. A bunch of
2: money at Eric B enemy. That's what I think is going to happen. That's basically saying Deshaun, please
0: don't leave. Yeah, us. exactly.
2: Like, please don't leave us. We'll pay Eric, you know, 10 million a year.
1: <laughs> and he's yeah. Great yeah, offensive so cool.
0: mind and a diversity higher. but might be the only thing that could save him to convince Deshaun Watson to stay.
1: Yeah. So, so working through the first two coaches and then depending, I mean, we'll probably get through a few more coaches next week. You guys think?
2: Oh yeah. Yep. yep. Two more.
1: All right, Dan, I always say it. I've, I've said it for, I don't know how many episodes, but is your favorite part of the show.
2: Final thoughts,
1: but I'm going to throw a curve curveball. curve I'm going to go with Mitch first because before Ooh. the episode started, Mitch actually said he came in with a final thought. We all know.
2: Mitch just works on the fly typically. So what do you got, Mitch? I Dude, I always forget about the final thoughts until we get halfway through the show. But I was going to bring up, so all of my MFL leagues right now are dead quiet. They really are. And I've been thinking about why because like the one sleeper league I'm in, there's actually like a little bit of movement in there. And I've been trying to think of why that is. And I think it's really because on sleeper, you could roll over to 2021. I mean, people did it after week 16 and so everybody already had the draft picks right now on mfl like you kind of have to go the message board hopefully the commissioner has what the draft order is and then you have to go in there and try to figure it out and i think that's actually really killed trading is people are having to wait until after the super bowl to know okay this team has this pick and i will make a trade for it so i would just say if everyone's frustrated right now with Dynasty being kind of dead. I think a lot of it is just people are just waiting to see like the actual name on the draft pick instead of like whatever random draft pick it is.
1: And I don't want to go through calculating the potential points and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out, okay, Mitch is 103. Oh, wait, no, he's 104. Oh, I messed it up again. He's 105. If a league doesn't have the draft order posted, I haven't made trade offers. Whereas in the safe leagues, it's posted. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually I'm making moves there but I don't want to put in the extra what 10 to 15 seconds to try to figure out what the pick is. I I like that thought a lot because it's it's definitely a driving factor there I think in league activity. All right Dan, you got to follow up a good one there.
0: Oh that was really good there. We should like tag MFL and like send them this this clip here. Maybe we need that improvement. Uh, They'll hey, stay, my, leave us alone and go to hell. Probably, but hey, it's, it's worth it. We're, we're thinking of our listeners always. Hey, I hope that I hope our listeners enjoy this, this, our coaching shows and, and the ones to, to come. You know, we, we enjoy breaking down the teams. But I think when you start doing your rankings and you go into these drafts, I think, you know, we're just warming up with our team previews and coaching previews. It's going to expand throughout the offseason, as does, you know, draft capital of players as, as we get more information. But these teams are telling you what they're going to do. You know, we're, 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 getting warmed up with the press conferences, you know, the direction they're going, the draft's going to tell us a lot more free agency is going to tell us a lot more. So really adjust your rankings accordingly and, and seeing, Hey, what are these teams doing? Why are they doing it? They're going to give us some fancy football answers as we go.
1: Dan is just so Dan could do this show for three more hours. He said, forget about going to next week. We're getting right into it. Every coach tonight, but we, we, we got to tease the next episode. You got to keep people have to want to come back and they're going to want to hear Dan get jacked up on some more coaching hires. And I'm excited
0: for that. Hey, you, you, JB, before, before you wrap it up, if you package, you know, your guys passion for the rookies, if, if they haven't went back and listened to our previous episodes, combine that with my passion for the coaches, it's all starting to come together, man. It's starting to come together. I know, but so much passion and energy on one show. That might be a little too much for people.
1: I've had people call me annoying for Christ's sake. So, you know.
0: <laughs> Mitch, Mitch levels us out, man. Mitch is calm, cool, and collective. He's the cool cat of the show. Sometimes.
1: He, look at him in there. He's leaning back. He's all relaxed. Cool as the other side of the pillow. All right. We could ramble on all night, but we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. If you enjoy the show and are looking for exclusive bonus content, check us out at patreon.com backslash Dynasty Theory. Stay safe. Be kind to each other. Have a great night.